When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Peter, Alexander-Arnold, sat up quite nicely. Yet another weekend where Liverpool and Manchester City applied the pressure on each other, but neither cracked. Trent was the top man against West Ham for the Reds, but Luis Diaz showed why Liverpool have got themselves a gem. That plus Jurgen's future on the pod today. I'm Steve Hothersall. Today's Red Agenda has James Pearce and Sky Sports commentator Rob Palmer on it. And the weekend win against West Ham wasn't the greatest, but Liverpool, James, have shown they can win in a number of ways. Yeah, I don't think it's a game that will that will live long in the memory or feature heavily on the kind of highlights reel come the end of the season. But um, it felt like a another big win for this Liverpool squad because you you know if you're going to win titles, you've got to be able to to win in different ways, and we've we've seen them dismantle teams at times this season and then other times they've had to dig really deep and grind it out you know there was a similar one at Burnley a few weeks back and this was very much in that category I think West Ham are no mugs you know they've they've shown that this season you know they are you know they, they showed it at the London Stadium where they became one of the only two teams to beat Liverpool this season in in November and uh they don't go quietly. They are physical. They ask a lot of questions of you. And yeah, Liverpool never really, never really got going today in terms of hitting what we know they're capable of. The decision making let them down at times in the final third. Probably should have added to that Sadio Mane opener. A little bit of luck in the second half, especially with that Lanzini miss. But you know they put their bodies on the line at other times. You know there was some, you know, some real good last ditch defending. And uh, you know crucially, they got the job done. Rob, brilliant to have you on on the pod. And I'm sure like everyone else, you're watching this title race with absolute fascination. It wasn't a race, what, two months ago. It is now. Um, your other half is a Man City supporter, so I'm sure you're getting the the whole side of things at home as well, at work as well. What What's your perspective, first of all, on it? I think it's absolutely fascinating to watch. I think that if Liverpool win the league this season, it will be possibly up there with the greatest achievements ever because I think this is a, a magnificent Manchester City team um, more than a team it's a Manchester City squad because they've got a, a top class international player in every single position it's neither or with Pep Guardiola they've got a, an incredible manager there as well and I think it's a brilliant Man City team but as we all know if Liverpool do what they have been doing for the last 12 games and prove unbeatable, then they are going to be the champions. There's all this talk about the quadruple as well. And it's interesting because a lot of people are saying that it wasn't a classic at the weekend, but I think it could go down as one of the most defining games for Liverpool. I remember when they last won the title and I just started out in radio and we went down to Selhurst Park and there was a similar game where they didn't really fire 
but they rode their luck and it was a lucky performance at the weekend. And if you can play against West Ham United and you can scrape a victory, a 1-0 victory when they've had that many chances and, and put in a, a collective 7 out of 10 performance and still remain on a, a run where you're winning every single game, then who knows that you, you might be destined to be champion. So I think it's possibly one, one of the classic games of the season in many ways. Perhaps what it demonstrates, James, is is the mentality and actually how it looks stronger than ever within this squad. Yeah, I think on days like that, experience certainly comes to the fore, doesn't it? In terms of most of these players have been there before. You know, They've been in some titanic tussles with City in terms of title races previously. You know, I don't think the pressure is going to get to them. And yeah, that, that kind of never-say-die spirit. I think Klopp was talking afterwards about how, you know, for him, moments in the game, like Trent Alexander-Arnold's clearance off the line, the... The Andy Robertson sliding tackle on Jared Bowen, you know, the, the Naby Keita one late on. You know, he said for him, those moments were as good as as good as celebrating a goal because um, that's an area of the game that is just so, so important, isn't it? You can be flamboyant, you can be fluent, you can be so pleasing on the eye going forward. But it's that ability to do the dirty work that gets you over the line in really, really tight games like that. And um, yeah, I think you could see on Saturday on a day when you know, Liverpool didn't sparkle, but you know collectively you can see that they're they're all very very close and they're all in this together. Trent often has these detractors who say he can't defend, which is a nonsense, isn't it, Rob? But then you you see that moment where he cleared it off the line, and as James stated there, such an important moment within the game. Absolutely, that that was a defining moment and I was watching the game back this morning in preparation for this and if you see when Naby Keita made the challenge as well towards the end of the game, had he not made it, had the ball gone past him, who had sprinted from the halfway line like an Olympic sprinter, none other than Trent Alexander-Arnold and he would have probably cleared the ball off the line as well. Yet we know that, was it 16 assists in all competitions this season, that he's a great creator of goals, he created the goal at the weekend as well, but he's prevented them at the other end of the field and Sometimes you have to check his age and check where he was born. He's a West Derby boy, isn't he? You think he probably started playing his football on the beaches of Rio or somewhere like that because there are shades of Roberto Carlos, uh, Marcelo, Danny Alves, who's still going strong at the age of 38, who have had the great pleasure of watching in, in, you know, in my professional capacity as well. And the lad is a total footballer. If they decide that they've got another right back in, in years to come, he could play in the front three. He's not going to, let's face it. He could go to Barcelona and fit any of those great Barcelona teams. He could go to Manchester City. They would probably play him at centre-forward at Manchester City because he is a total footballer. But at the weekend, it was important that he did the defensive uh, part of his game as well. The first chance of the game in the second minute, he took a free kick in the right-back position, played it over the top and Liverpool almost scored right from, you know, right from the instant. And then he was there, clearing the ball off the line. And they say right at, right at the death as well, he was there when they needed that extra defender as well. So I think he's proving to be just a total footballer. And he could go down the way things are at the moment, given the age that he's, that he's at and with what he's achieved at Liverpool Football Club. as up there with the greats like Kenny Dalglish and, and, and Steven Gerrard. I, I genuinely think that he, he is that good. They could play him absolutely anywhere. I mean, Rob couldn't speak of him in higher terms, could he? The names he's just associated him with, James. And and I trust Rob implicitly as someone who's commentated on, on Spanish football for many years. So to, you know, talk about Roberto Carlos in the same breath as Trent, it, it is incredible. And yet he is only 23. 
Yeah, I, I saw a start of the weekend that I think he's is he is one of eight or nine assists behind Leighton Baines as the all time you know defender so called in the in Premier League history in terms of assists. Which um, yeah, when you think he's still only twenty three years of age, um, it's just mind boggling really what he could go on to achieve. You know, the, I think the the debate about you know, is he going to be moved from right back into midfield? I think that's been well and truly kind of silenced on the basis. He, you know, he almost plays in midfield for, you know, I think if you look at the areas he, where he spent most of the game on Saturday, it was it was nowhere near where where you'd expect a right back to be normally. And certainly that's been a feature of Liverpool's tactical evolution this season. We've seen him much, much more cutting inside rather than, Rather than hogging that touchline and and staying staying on the flank, he, you know he's and that's that's enabled him, I think, to go to the next level because he's so difficult to pick up where he's where he's operating in those little pockets of spaces. Yeah, with the quality he provides from wide areas, it's just impossible to defend at times. And you think to have sixteen assists in all competitions, and we're at the start of March, and we're talking about a Liverpool team that you know is still competing on another three fronts, could even. Have up to what 20, 20 games left. You know, you you're looking at someone who, who should be comfortably now bursting through that twenty assists a season barrier, which is, you know, which is absolutely unbelievable for for any player, let alone uh, you know a so-called right back. So um, yeah, it is incredible what Trent Alexander Arnold has done, and you know, especially in the context of twenty twenty one, wasn't the, the easiest years for him really. You know, he had a he had some injury problems. You know, he had. The, all that noise around the England setup, and you know, Willie won't he go to the Euros? Then when he was going to go, you know, with with the expanded squad that the teams were able to pick, then he got that the injury that that wrecked his chances of being involved in that tournament. But you know, I, I do think as much as that will have hurt him at the time, that proper break, I think, probably you know, certainly has helped Liverpool in terms of this season. Because he had, he was able to rest. Then he was able to have a full pre-season under his belt, which we know, with the cycle of grueling league seasons and international tournaments, doesn't come around very often. And and now he's absolutely gone to the next level. And um, yeah, no great surprise that you know before a ball was kicked this season, he was added to the the leadership group at Liverpool. You know, he's he's no longer a talented young kid in the dressing room. He is one of the most dominant personalities and. I've got no doubt that he's a future Liverpool captain. You know, was he 23 now? I said, certainly, I'd have thought probably in, in three years' time we'll be talking about him as wearing that armband. Yeah, he looks a man now as well, doesn't he? He's totally amazing to watch. And of course, tactically, he helps Liverpool play that high line, doesn't he? Which which some people have pointed fingers at and said, well, you know, you leave yourself vulnerable, a bit of risk and reward. But the likes of Van Dijk and himself help employ tactically something that Jurgen Klopp is so keen on, Rob. Yeah, they talk about this high line, but when you've got the speed of Andrew Robertson on one side and Trent on the other side, that they, you know, watch the footage back from the weekend. When Liverpool have to defend and have to get on the back foot, they are like Olympic gold medal sprinters. They they can get from the halfway line to the six-yard line quicker than any striker can and maybe give them like a five or ten-yard start as well. And you look at the great teams, you know, you mentioned my kind of, you know, my, my day job, if you like, of covering Spanish football. You go back and, and, and assess many of the, the Lionel Messi goals over the years and see how many times that Jordi Alba was involved in that or see the great wins from, from Barcelona and see how... Danny Alves, 
right back is only on the team sheet when they hand it to, to the television companies at the start of the game or when Liverpool may be defending he's the right sided defender in the defensive position the rest of the time these days in modern football the right back and the left back the right sided player the left sided player are sometimes the most attacking and what they do then the likes of Fabinho and Naby Keita will pull between the two centre halves and it becomes a back three he and, and Andrew Robertson as well are very much the complete modern day professional footballer as well it's a great point that James made there as well I, I think every great player needs a little pause in his career as well not going to the Euros and getting an injury which thankfully wasn't an ultra serious injury allowed him to have that break allowed him to have a little pause to draw breath to maybe have a look at life as well and then to come back an even stronger and better player and have a real great go at this season as well you know and Liverpool never will but if they were to put him on a transfer market he'd be a hundred million pound plus player easy Easy. We, we talk about how fast he is, but I tell you what, how fast was Canate at the weekend, James? There was there was one moment we completely out sprinted Antonio, who clearly thought at the start of the game he could bully him, but he soon found out that no, this was no easy task. You know, trying to get past Canate, let alone Van Dijk. Yeah, it felt like another big step forward for Canate in his in his debut season at Liverpool. You know, he's had to be patient at times. I think probably. You know, he, he probably wouldn't have expected, like most people, Joel Matip to have been as good as he has been this season, which has obviously had an impact on the, the amount of game time that Canate and Joe Gomez have have got. But um, yeah, I was, I was impressed by Canate because I thought, especially first half, you could see that Antonio had targeted him. It was almost like Antonio had decided, well, I'm not going to get any change out of Van Dijk. So, you know, it's, it's the young French defender that I'm going to go after. And here he had a couple of difficult moments. It was one in particular when Antonio did get away from him first half. But I thought I thought he responded really well to that. And you're right, you can see exactly, can't you, why Liverpool was so attracted to buying him because he has that rare mix of, you know, he's such an imposing figure physically, yet he's also, you know, so quick across the ground, which we know, you know, as you said before, Steve, about the high line. And you know, there's a lot of nonsense talked about the high line in terms of, you know, as soon as one team fashions a chance like they did to West Ham did with Fornals, people pounce on it and say, you know, why are they defending so high? And But it's like, you know, you have to look at the bigger picture and, you know, they play that high line game after game after game. And this is a team that have just rattled off 12 straight wins in all competitions. So for the most part, it does work. You know, it's, it's a risk and reward strategy. You know, you have to look again at the number of times that Liverpool catch teams offside, the fact that they get it right a lot more than more often than they get it wrong. And um, yeah, I thought Canate as well, his distribution seems to be improving. He played he played one absolutely sensational pass that, that I think it found Diaz out on the wide on the left. And yeah, he looks like he's he looks like he's growing in belief because I think because he is such a imposing figure, I think it can be easy to forget that Canate is only twenty two and there aren't too many 22-year-old centre-backs playing for, for top teams across Europe. Yeah, he, he looks like, you know, in the same way as you look at Diaz and you think, wow, yeah, he looks every inch a Liverpool player. And, of course, Jota before him in terms of how well he's fitted in. I'm getting the same vibes on, on Canate at the moment. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Well, let's talk succession planning then, and Canate is very much part of that. James has written on it on The Athletic now, so you can check that out. Rob, so Jürgen's overseeing, if you like, a second overhaul of the squad and doing it really well as well because, you know, we, the players were just reeling off there. that They're all part of the, the new generation, if you like, whether it be Jota, whether it be um, Luis Diaz. All of a sudden... There is a next generation that we're looking at and thinking, wow, that this could live up to the one that we've just enjoyed so much. Yeah, that is the key. And that is what is the beauty of Liverpool Football Club at the moment. If, if you said, OK, you've got to select the Liverpool team for two years from now, um, then you, you may not be selecting Firmino. Uh, Ox may not be there. James Milner might finally retire. But you'd look at the team and you go, yeah, he'll be here in two years' time. And do you know what? We'll probably be a little bit stronger team in two years than we are now. Uh, Diaz has come in. You, you look at when they brought Andrew Robertson in and you know he played for my team, Hull City, and people say, when's he going to play? When's he going to play? When Jurgen Klopp feels that he's ready. Canati's come in. He hasn't played every single game, but he's there. Got Joe, Joe Gomez to come back yet. I mean, at the moment, if Van Dijk had an injury, as he did last year, and I was reading James's excellent article this morning, you think what Liverpool were going through 12 months ago, uh, and, and they lost Van Dijk and Alisson wasn't playing, you'd go, oh, we don't stand a chance, and you know they would be eighth in the league. But now, if all of a sudden Van Dijk wasn't playing, you've got Canati there, you've got Matip who wasn't playing at the weekend, you, you've got a cover in every position, and they're very clever in that Liverpool aren't going out and buying the ready-made replacement not spending £100 million on a player they're buying somebody who's got potential and they're drip-feeding them into the team and what they're doing at the moment they've got players who are going to be really, really good in two years' time with Diaz with Jota with Callagher who I've said several times I think will be the Liverpool number one goalkeeper within the next 18 months I think Alisson is a world-class goalkeeper I think Keller has the potential to be better than him and with all of those players on the sidelines as you look to the bench if they're not starting the game you're thinking my goodness if I don't put in a performance this weekend he's going to come into the team and he's going to be playing between now and the end of the season and that's the beauty of Jurgen Klopp they've got it in the big office as well with the sporting director in that we're going to lose one of the best sporting directors in the business at the end of the season yet his number two is going to come in Jurgen Klopp might decide at the age of 57 that he needs a little rest he might want to become a national team manager might want to spend more time with his family but Liverpool will have a plan that neither Pep Linders comes in or if Steven Gerrard continues to uh, progress as he, as he does as a manager as he's done brilliantly at Rangers or Aston Villa they'll be looking so in the offices at Liverpool they'll be looking to what do we do in two, th- two or three years time if we suddenly have to go forward in this time machine and it, and it, and it is brilliant it is perfect planning rather than planning for today or living on, on the you know the, the memories of yesterday as they're doing at a club just along the M62 it's a biggie, that Jurgen Klopp conversation. We talked about it last week on the pod, James. Uh, you've written about it on The Athletic. Now, as it stands, there's two more seasons of Jurgen. He'll have had nine years by then. I don't think we're any clearer, are we? But you sort of imply in your piece that the club is so good at succession planning that hopefully whatever happens, it will be a smooth path. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's no guarantees, obviously. And I think it's probably unrealistic no matter what what due diligence and homework you do and planning between now and the summer of 2024 that you won't miss someone like Jurgen Klopp. Of course you will, because, you know, his influence throughout the whole club is so huge. You know, it's, you know, it is sheer force of personality and, you know, the way that he sets the mood on a day-to-day basis. So I think it goes without saying that there's going to be an immense void. I think it's just a case of how you know, what can you do between now and then to try and lessen that impact? And um, yeah, and also I think it's important to say that, you know, still the best case scenario and the one that everyone hopes is that Klopp will decide to stick around longer. 
and delay that sabbatical that he's that he's promised his family will have. But certainly inside the club and and outside at the minute, you know, the everything points to he will take a break in the summer of 2024. He reaffirmed on on Friday at his press conference that that is still the plan that that nothing has changed. And yeah, I just picked up on the fact that he he said, you know, everything we do now is geared towards ensuring that this club continues to be successful and hopefully even more successful when I'm no longer here. And I think that's that's much easier said than done. Although I think you can see the work that's already going into trying to make that a reality because you know, we talked about Canate, only 22, Joe Gomez is still only 24. You know, you think that could quite conceivably be Liverpool's first choice centre-back partnership in three, four, five years' time. You've got, you know, Harvey Elliott, you know, what an absolute revelation. He's been only 18, Curtis Jones, 21. We've seen the front line evolve, you know, with, with Diaz and Jota, both only 25. You've got, you know, another massively talented teenage attacker in Cade Gordon that they've got huge hopes for. So it's not like, I think I think the thing when, you know, the comparison would be what happened to Manchester United post-Ferguson, isn't it? You know, and I think certainly when you look back on that, he left behind a pretty ageing team that was that was way past its best. Yet, I think when you look at when you look at what Liverpool have got now, and, and yes, there's still uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen with Salamane, Firmino, you know, Cater and Oxley chamberlain also into their last years this summer. But you can already see the nucleus of like the next, hopefully great Liverpool team already there that I think should give you some optimism. And, and the, you know, you, you look at promoting from within as, as work well with, you know, off the pitch when you look at, you know, Billy Hogan, was at the club for a, a large number of years before becoming the CEO. And I think that's why, you know, Pep Linders, you know, Liverpool do like that continuity, don't they? And I think that's why we've talked before about Pep Linders is a very serious option to take over if Klopp does go in 2024, because he gives you that continuity. You know, he, he, like the style certainly won't change. You know, the messages won't change because Pep Linders is absolutely integral to that on a daily basis at the minute with his, you know, he already has full responsibility for the for the training programme. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the next few years map out. We saw it with the Liverpool teams of the 70s and 80s, where obviously Shanks was succeeded by Paisley and then Fagan and Kenny. So it was it was all internal promotion, wasn't it, Rob? It can often be a good thing. What's your perspective? Because as James pointed out there with Sir Alex, once he left the club, United hit the rocks massively. Yeah, I, that is a great point made by James. Um, I think Liverpool are in a better position than Manchester United said to be. You know, this global entity in that Liverpool is more than the, it's the, it's the, some of the parts. It's a wonderful head office. Uh, you know, Ian Air left the club. Billy Hogan comes in. Um, the director of football is going to change in the summer. Steven Gerrard comes. Great player. Lost him. They could lose one of the front three, maybe two of the front three in the next eighteen months or so. But there are players waiting to come through. So there is that succession plan in every position. There's some great young players coming through the academy as well. Katie Gordon isn't this the wait to come through as well. We're desperate to see him play. And what they've very cleverly done on the playing side of things is, is move players out the last couple of years when they've got to maybe the autumn years of their career. When it comes to Jurgen, he's, he's a very similar age to me. And I've been lucky that I've been on Merseyside covering Liverpool Football Club for a long time. And you see how much it takes out of a manager, both mentally 
and physically and how it affects their health. Um, I was at the Liverpool press conference when Kenny Dalglish, we got a, got a call from his secretary one day just to say, oh, Kenny's having his press conference at a different time. Today we went there, nobody saw his resignation, but when he looked into his eyes, you could see that it had taken absolutely everything out of Kenny Dalglish. You know, Gerard Houllier had his health problems. Graham Sinesse had his health problems as well. And, and Jurgen Klopp will want to look after himself in the like me in the prime years of his life and it's like almost like being the driver of a juggernaut they say can you drive it to to spain yeah can you drive it back again yeah can you drive it back there i don't know and he's maybe looking at the age of 57 and thinking am i going to have the energy to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and see 24 whatsapps from my scouts and my players and my agents around the world and to be working a 24-hour existence and hoping that he can get eight hours sleep i've got a good pal of mine who is i won't say who it is but he He's a, a pretty prominent manager at the moment who's also in his 50s. He says he gets basically about 45 minutes a day when he's in his car to make his private phone calls. And apart from that, every other minute of the day it is invested in dealing with an agent or dealing with a youth player or dealing with somebody who's a, in some corner of the world at a player that they're looking at or some player who's done something on stupid on social media or something to do with finances and the Jürgen's probably looking and thinking wow my goodness gracious two, two years of this kind of investment I've got to think about it and it probably does deserve a break and it'd be great if they suggested this with Kenny back in the day. It maybe just takes a little sabbatical and somebody moves forward and steps forward and they have that succession planning and then he comes back into the position. But that's maybe just kind of willful thinking. Sir Alex kind of did that at Manchester United. That you know He told us he was going to resign and, and then he came back. But what he did, he, he had this wonderful office with eight windows. It's like a James Bond set that he could open any window and he could look out at the training field, the academy, the medical office. He delegated everything and he just sat there and he directed it all like a James Bond bond baddie uh, and maybe that's what Jürgen does and maybe in three or four years time he's not quite as hands-on as he is at the moment and you can understand why you do that with the pressures that, that you've outlined I mean sometimes James we, we don't really see that do we we don't we don't understand the, the amount that is on their shoulders no it is absolutely all-consuming isn't it I think as, as Rob said I'm sure I'm sure can you imagine a day in the life of Jürgen Klopp it's just it it is you know absolutely relentless when you think you know, the time of year when you know, everything's being sorted out for pre-season and we know that Liverpool are planning to go to Asia and play games over there. So there's all those conversations, the commercial side of things, you know, the you know the constant analysis of opponents. I mean, Liverpool aren't, you know, the, the cycle Liverpool are in at the minute, they're barely really training because when you, when you look at it, you know, it's, again, you've got a, you know, the week that they've now got, you know, you, you play Saturday night, Sunday's recovery, you know, Monday you train, Tuesday you're playing in, in, into Milan, Wednesday you recover, you've got Thursday, and then Friday you tra- you're, you're flying down to, to Brighton for the early kickoff on on Saturday. And I can completely understand why, especially because I think, you know, we, we always get very excited. I mean, it's only two years, only two years. But I think also two years is still quite a long time in terms of, you know, so much can change so quickly in football. So I can understand why, why Klopp is at the moment saying well no this that's still the plan and you know there's certainly there'd be certainly be no pressure whatsoever from the owners in terms of is that definitely your final decision we need a definitive answer now because you know if he was to turn around in the summer of 2023 and say well actually do you know what the prospect of this being my last season at Liverpool you know when you even think if everything goes to plan summer 2023 the new Anfield Road stand will be open you know the the, the capacity will be up to 61,000 you think you know if if at that point he's thinking you know, I'm still I'm still full of energy, 
I can't even begin to imagine, you know, that this could be my last season. Then, of course, the owners, you know, that, that would be the quickest contract that's ever been drawn up if he gave them any indication on that. But I think you have to be massively respectful of the fact that for someone like him as well, he just devote, he, you know, he throws himself absolutely 100% into it. And by the summer of 2024, he will have been in the job nearly nine years and that will make him the longest serving Liverpool manager since since Bob Paisley. So, yeah, I, I think it's completely understandable that he, you know, his stance at the minute, I complete, you know, it's it, it's not one that you scratch your head and think, well, why on earth would you not just want to sign another contract? Because, you know, by the time that contract comes up, he'll be, would have just turned 57. You know, he, he's talked previously many times about, you know, having an agreement in place with his family. I think he joked he had an agreement in place with his doctor as well, that he'd have some time off. And he talked about how he doesn't want to be one of these managers that's, that's still on the touchline, you know, in late into their 60s and, and early 70s. Because I think, you know, he wants to travel the world. He wants to spend time with his family and enjoy the lifestyle that, you know, despite the fact he is obviously very handsomely rewarded for, for the job he does at Liverpool. You want a, you want a, a decent retirement to be able to, to, to make the most of that and really enjoy another chapter in life. Because as, as he said on Friday, he said, you know, as much as I love my job, I know there is there is more to life than being a football manager. And Rob might be the same age, but I guarantee you Rob spends far more hours on the golf course than, than Jurgen Klopp. He looks far healthier. Uh, let's spend <laughs> I look just... healthier than Jurgen Klopp. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me in your life. Well, you haven't aged as too... much in the past couple of years. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's just do a couple of minutes on into Milan. Night under the lights, two goal advantage, but it wasn't easy, was it? In the in the San Siro, Inter, well, their form has taken an upturn. What a five 0 win on Friday night! Is this game done and dusted, or is it a nervy one, Rob? Uh, certainly not done and dusted, especially if Liverpool put in a performance like they did at the weekend against West Ham United, which we've said already was a, a seven out of ten performance. But in the Champions League against an Italian giant. 7 out of 10 may not uh, be enough with a, even with a two-goal advantage. They, they bounced back at the weekend, didn't they, with a 5-0 uh, victory. They've not been playing well, but they've got, was it Martinez, and they've got Dzeko up front. Uh, they're a good team, and if they suddenly can get you know one goal early in the game, and I'm sure they'll have a, a noisy Italian following as well, then they can maybe put the frighteners on Liverpool a bit as well. So Liverpool are going to have to play their absolute maximum going to have to be as good as they get if they can put in an eight eight and a half that performance that's going to be good enough Liverpool score an early goal as well and the cop is so important so another great point made by by James was talking about a year ago Liverpool were playing in front of no supporters and and the fans are 
a 12th man. I know it's a, it's a cliche and they say that at a lot of clubs, but when you, when you come to Anfield, especially on a, you know, you feel it, you can sense it, can't you? When you, you come out of Anfield on a European night and, and the copper there and the place is absolutely buzzing, it's, it's like no other place. Manchester City don't necessarily need that with their supporters. They can go out there and play and they, they, they don't have the noise, but, that it, but it drives it on. So I think Liverpool, if they get the early goal, um, yes, concede early on, it could be a very, very long night, but uh, I see Liverpool in the, in the next round of the... Uh, next round I would say without any problems I wouldn't say with ease but I think they can tough it out be another special night Virgil and Canati were brilliant weren't they in the San Siro James you were there yeah yeah and I think they'll need to reproduce that and I think Liverpool need to be better in general because I think I think even probably the most one-eyed Liverpool fan would admit that the scoreline did flatter Liverpool a little bit in the San Siro they were they were wobbling for a period in, especially early in that second half before Klopp made that that triple substitution that changed the game really, and then you know they finished incredibly strongly with, with those uh, with those two goals that have put them in a, an incredibly strong position. I sensed I was in you know the the inter press conference afterwards and you know reading some of the comments from their players, and I think I think they sensed that you know it was an absolute mountain they've got to climb. There wasn't much, too much defiance after that first leg. I think because I think they felt that probably you know on their own patch. That was their best chance of, of causing Liverpool real problems in the tie. So yeah, I think Liverpool. I, I really do fancy them to to go through, but as Rob said, you know they will they will need to raise the bar from the performance they produced against West Ham, at the weekend. They will need to defend well. I think I think it suits Liverpool the fact that I thought Inter were great. You know, Inter, you know their energy was brilliant in the first game. They shut down Liverpool. They caused them to cough up possession. A fair bit, but what they don't really have is, you know, great pace going forward. As good as Eden Zeko is, um, and what an amazing career he's had. You know, he's not the kind of player that's going to be bursting away from from Van Dijk and Canate or Matip if he's back. And I know Martinez, I think, scored a hat trick at the weekend as they they hammered. I think it was Salernitana, but you know, it's it's such a difficult. Uh, you know, such a very different challenge for them coming to Wamfield and, and and again, you know, touching on what Rob said, you know, I I think the fact that Liverpool had to do without the fans for so long, it, it just adds an extra edge to those European nights now this season. The fact that it just wasn't the same, was it? When you think rewind to a year ago and you know Liverpool were going into a quarter final against you know Real Madrid, yet you know you're playing in front of an empty stadium, you know, you're playing at Real Madrid's academy, wasn't it? The leg over there. And you're playing without any cent- recognised senior centre-backs. I think, you know, you just knew full well that, you know, even blind optimism wouldn't have told you that Liverpool could have possibly gone all the way in the Champions League last season. Yet, you know, what an absolute different mood it is this time around. And, you know, of course, there's some dangerous opponents left in the Champions League, but there's no, you know, the, the, the biggest threat to Liverpool winning the Champions League this season is Manchester City. There, for me, is the only team that I'd be particularly concerned about over two legs. So, yeah, they've just got to be professional, go and complete the job against Inter, and then we'll look forward to to what comes next. Boys, you've been absolutely brilliant, as always. Great to have you on the pod, Rob. Superb stuff. Uh, Catch James's piece on The Athletic now about succession planning. Well worth a read. That's the Red Agenda, and it returns later in the week. We'll see you then. Goodbye.